made me view it covering words of radiance by brandon sanderson my name is megan and i should get back to doing the dishes my name is emily and i should be folding the laundry that i did but instead instead we're making a podcast podcast. i want to open this up and make sure everyone knows megan lied to you i didn't lie Uh i overestimated (laughs) and i didn't really realize how juicy the dalinar chapter is because we haven't had dalinar for a while so listeners this week we are only covering two chapters we're like basically storm pod so we're, we're only covering chapters 67 and 68 and then next week we will cover 69 and 70 uh all right here we go of Emily on first brush what did you think of these chapters wits back I'm super excited about that (laughs) okay wits back but also wits leaving (laughs) he's gone again (laughs) just got here my feelings about Dalinar flip-flopped again Mm -hmm. I'm back on the Dalinar train uh Shalon and Adolin and Kaladin are a delight an absolute delight I love this and I'm really worried about Kaladin not because where he ends up, but the thing that he is having to decide between. He's got to decide between a rock and a Moash place. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm so, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about, <laughs> when I say I'm not mad, I'm confused and frustrated. Well, I can't even say that. Like, I understand why Kaladin would do that, why he would promise that to Moash. Because he'd just come out of a very bad place, right? He tells him right after he gets out of prison, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, so we'll get into it. But Kaladin's powers, quote unquote, have started to not work. Yeah, and he's really they're... frustrated about it. And if it's the same as like when it was in the training ground and he tried to, you know, attack Adolin mm-hmm. without honor or whatever. Like, duh. Of course that's what's going to happen. Like... Kaladin, you dummy. You sweet, sweet dummy. Okay, so this reminds me of earlier in the book when Kaladin was first talking to Moash. Mm-hmm. And he, he said to Moash, okay, I'll come with you. I'll listen to what those men have to say. Mm-hmm. And Syl zips over and is like, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. So what Kaladin is doing is affecting Syl in some way. Yeah. In a major way. Yeah. But we'll get there. We will. Let's start with chapter 67, Spit and Bile. Emily, can you read us the epigraph? Yes. My path has been chosen very deliberately. Yes, I agree with everything you have said about race, including the severe danger he presents. You 100% said this name correctly. But I'm going back to my Discord fan favorite pronunciation of racy. (laughs) I do like that. I like saying it like that. (laughs) Again, if I'm ever involved in any sort of official adaptation, we'll make sure to get the pronunciation cleared by Brandon. But I think calling him racy is funny. (laughs) 
we start in uh, chapter 67 that uh, Dalinar and Navani are walking together, obviously with their guards. The last uh, plateau run, uh, the people are starting to come back and Dalinar, you know, kind of sends a, a bridge person down to find out what's going on. Dalinar watched him go, thoughtful. These men were remarkably disciplined considering their origin. They were not, but they were not career soldiers. They did not like what he had done in throwing their captain into prison. And, and I, this is when Emily was like, I hate Dalinar. Yes. He's the worst character and I think he should die That's not right what now. I said. That's not what I said. Don't you dare say that. So rude. What I'm saying is I find this interesting uh, because Brandon is giving us these insights into a lethe culture into the way Dalinar has been raised. We're going to get a lot more in this chapter. It's a fascinating chapter. And to Dalinar, I mean, his whole thing is honor and discipline and, you know, acting a certain way. Military and chain of command. Chain of command is a huge, huge one. And so the idea that these men aren't career soldiers, they don't understand that this is just what is done sometimes. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're mad about it. In his eyes, it is going to be a problem because they're running on emotion, you know, when you should be running on facts. But this, I think, is foreshadowing. I would like to take this moment to talk again about Richard Weber from Grey's Anatomy, who is a character acting on his feelings all of the time but pretending that his emotions are facts. And I'm like, sir, other people do not agree with you. (laughs) The paragraph keeps going and it says, he suspected they wouldn't let it become a problem. And I'm like, but we know in the last chapter, Kaladin was like, this will never happen to me ever again. Like, it is going to be a problem. Dalinar, you have created your own villains. I don't think they're going to be villains. I don't think they're going to be villains, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean that like I could see I could see a story very easily where Dalinar is like you're no longer a captain and you're off the bridge crew and you have to stay like if he tries to throw Kaladin in prison again mm-hmm. I can see Kaladin just going <laughs> off the ballistic deep end. yeah yeah Because they mentioned several times, thank you for not demoting me. Like, that's a big thing. Like, he really probably should have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ugh. Um. Uh, Sorry, not to keep harping on this very first paragraph on the very first page. But um, Dalinar starts thinking about Kaladin, Captain Kaladin. Uh, He was the exact type of officer Dalinar looked for, the kind that showed initiative not because of a desire for advancement, but because of the satisfaction of a job well done. Those kind of soldiers often had rocky starts until they learned to keep their heads. Storms, Dalinar himself had needed similar lessons pounded into him at various points in his life. Now, back in my day, (laughs) what I'm going to say is, and I mean no offense to anyone out there, but Delinar is giving me very boomer vibes right now of you work hard, you advance at your job, you do what you're supposed to do and you will be rewarded and never question anything. And it's giving me corporate world vibes sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's also giving me 
Well, I had a very hard childhood and it made me a stronger person. Mm-hmm. So it's okay that this kid is going through something difficult because it'll make him stronger. When like the hope and the wish should be, I went through a difficult childhood. I need to make sure no one else goes through that. That's mm-hmm. like, I think the ideal in a perfect world. You're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to repeat the past. Mm-hmm. I want to improve upon it. Yeah, and yeah, and- Downers gives a very like, oh yeah, he'll get over it. Mm-hmm. I say forgetting. I don't think Delinar knows Kaladin. Like, mm-hmm. we want him to be on the same team. We expect them to be on the same team. And I, I'm just realizing this that he has seen Kaladin. Well, I'm sure he feels obligated to Kaladin. Kaladin did save his life. Kaladin continues to protect him and do everything he can to save his family he saved renar and that sort of thing but he doesn't know who kaladin is on the inside there's a better way to say that but well okay so as you were reading these chapters when you first started you were so furious at dalinar for the last couple chapters the things we've seen what's dalinar up to what's going on in his mind uh and you were pretty mad at him would you would you say that's correct? Yeah, I was really frustrated and was confused by what he was doing. And now, once we get a point of view chapter from Dalinar, by the end of this chapter, you're like, I'm 100% on board with this guy. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. And so as we get to see inside other characters' heads, that is what has been endearing us to them. Um, like, and, and to pull out another example... Uh, you like Zeth very much. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had only seen assassinations from the victim's points of view, we would have a very different picture of him for as a character. For sure. For sure. And so that's why it's so frustrating where we want Dalinar and Kaladin to know each other on the level that we know them. Mm-hmm. Because having gone through just a bunch of chapters only from Kaladin's point of view, our own resentment of Dalinar has really built up in parallel with Kaladin's. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, not that he's, like, turning Kaladin into a villain, into a monster. Dalinar doesn't feel like 15 days in prison is a big deal. Right. But by the end of it, for Kaladin, not knowing when he was going to get out, he was a, he was drowning in his everything yeah his emotions his background you know Mm -hmm. brought up a lot of other things i mean just and having listen i've never been in the army before from what i understand you know you need to go and be like a face in the crowd there's not a lot of Mm -hmm. chance for individualism and Mm -hmm. so yeah delinar for a military punishment 15 days in the brig or whatever yeah that's a that's a slap on the wrist. But mm-hmm. individually to Kaladin, it affected him so deeply that he yeah. is now like, yeah, sure, I will help you assassinate the king. Yeah, there was a there was a moment we didn't really touch on in the last reading where Kaladin walks by a window after we see Aelin in prison. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin just like stops at the window and has this huge emotional reaction to just seeing the sky again. Mm-hmm. And it's you gave stupid Amaram the golden cloak <laughs> and you've given your actual knight radiant 
nightmares maybe forever. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Ugh. I am really looking because there's some more interaction between Dalinar and Amaram in this, and Amaram's wearing the stupid cloak and being super pious and stupid, and and um, I'm just waiting. Oh, I hope this chapter lives up to my expectations of the reveal that Kaladin is the Night Radiant and Amaram is a stupid interim loser. <laughs> and remember how when Sadius, uh, remember remember that one part where Sadius leaves Dalinar to die? That one part, you remember that? That uh-huh. that yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, I don't. When would that happen? <laughs> and I'm like, I wanted Sadius taken away in shades, like. Again, I'm not advocating for murder. Murder is very satisfying in a book or... Okay, I was actually thinking about this. I think we've got to stop disclaimering this. (laughs) I think the listeners know we don't condone murder. Um, Because with murder, when you you kill off another person, you don't have to deal with them and it makes your life easier. And I think that's maybe the appeal. Okay, this episode is called The Appeal of Murder. (laughs) But like, I think for someone like Amaram, the worst thing that could happen to him is to be publicly humiliated or publicly proven incorrect or, or have his secrets be revealed. And that to me is going to be the juiciest chapter I can imagine. Because it's, it was mentioned by Adolin that Amaram works so hard Mm -hmm. to keep up his reputation he is so slimy and i know that like doesn't even begin to scratch the surface but like when he's talking to um tom in jail in the you know previous episode he's like oh great prince and like oh all these things like i'm going to do this for you and he has really built himself this little delusional world of like i am the right hand of these heralds i Like, he is creating his own position. He is taking on a lot of different positions to become very valuable to the Heralds when they return. Um, Which, I guess, kudos for effort, kudos for planning ahead. But at the same time, like, sir, do you really think they're going to approve of you wholesale slaughtering people? Like, do you? Do you think that? I want to put a pin in this until we get to the wit conversation. Okay, pin. Done. Pin. Uh, So Navani is trying to engage Dalinar in Fabriel conversation multiple times, and Dalinar is hyper-fixating on something else. (laughs) He just, he can't even listen to it. He can't even hear it. And I like the relationship thing that happens right here, where she finally is like, "Mm, we aren't going to have a good conversation tonight, are we? Right. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. And she's not, like, bitter about that or mad about that. So contrasting with Michael and Maria from Roswell, <laughs> yes. uh, this would have ended with Maria yelling at Michael and mm-hmm. then Michael, like, snapping back and then they broke up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is how a mature relationship handles it. It's like, check in with your partner and sometimes you're not going to get the answer you want. Um, but what I love is the, the follow-up after, and I do want to, I do want to talk about what they talk about, because Navani, Navani has such interesting and cool ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's talking about all of this because she's trying not to think about Yasna. Yeah, she has poured herself into this 
impossible task. This thing that no one has been able to figure out because she is so sad about Yasna. Which, keep holding on, honey. Hold on for one more day. <gasps> we forgot to do a song on the last episode. We didn't even <laughs> pick a song? No. Retcon song time. <laughs> last week's song is... Okay, it, should it be about getting out of jail? Should it be about Moash getting his shard? Should it be about, like, Adolin being the best friend? Okay, it's You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. (laughs) And it's about Adolin. Some folks... Oh, you go. I was about to say, can can we make it the Donny Osmond version? (laughs) If it's on Spotify, then yes. The Donny Osmond (laughs) cover of You've Got a Friend in Me. Thank you. Great. Um, uh, real fast, jumping back to the shards conversation. Sorry, the Fabrials conversation. What are some of the plans Navani is cooking up? Oh, hold on. I know we're not apologizing for a lot of things, but I will say my dog is sleeping right here, snoring, and I, <laughs> I don't know how good a, how successful I will be cutting it out. So just know that it's that's texture. It's copper. <laughs> Um, she wants to use Fabrials as pumps. Uh, she wants to be able to pump water, you know, like the Carbronthians do, uh, which she's like, this is going to be really cool. And she's talking about like all the cool stuff that can be done with this, which listen, one, not only is it cool too, it is like vital to the future of these war camps. If you're going to have people out there long-term, if you really want to create a community out there, you've got to do some city planning. And Dalinar's just like, Meh. okay, he's like grunting, like he grunts several times. And he comes to when Navani's like, oh, we made a breakthrough in the design of these shard blades. And he's immediately like, what, what? And so further on in this, in this chapter, because um, she's able to explain how important her work is by using an example Dalinar will understand. Which I think just keeps going and proving Navani's intelligence that she's able to explain something that like Dalinar really has no concept. I say no concept, but Dalinar has little concept of to make it. It's like basically the breakthrough is they've been wrong this whole time about how it works. And we'll go into it in a second. And Dalinar cannot understand why she is so happy about that. And she says, imagine you had spent the last five years believing an enemy had been following Dialector's war as a model for tactics, but then heard it reported they instead had never heard of the treaty. And Dalinar's like, oh, okay, I get it. Where in like terms of, you know, military tactics, I don't know. I thought that was really sweet of her to be able to share her passion with him by pulling in his passion. Ugh, I love them. But basically, what happens... They're couple goals. They are couple goals. Basically, what happens is uh, they have found out that... Remember, they talk about the the jewel in the pommel, and that's how you bond the shard blade to yourself. Uh, Navani has figured out that that was an addition. Someone invented that. That wasn't how the shard blades originally were. What? Yeah. A 
family. How were the shard blades originally? So I don't think they were bonded to. Well, I wonder if it was like the shard blade chooses you. Does that make sense? Like the Pokemon mm-hmm. sort of a thing. I don't know. Um, and it was based on the honor of the wielder. Instead, now you've got people like Sadius who don't have honor holding a shard blade. You've got, you know, so I don't know if these swords are being forced to serve a master they do not want. Syl doesn't seem to be super thrilled about them either. I don't know if it's because they're corrupted, quote unquote corrupted by, you know, the style, the design being changed. But that seems to be a big breakthrough for uh, Navani and everyone because, you know, now maybe they're one step closer to finding out how it originally worked. So you're saying serve masters that they don't want to. Are you ascribing levels of awareness or even sentience to the shard blades? I am because we had Nightblade. Nightblood. We had Nightblood. We had Nightblood. Talkity talky talk sword. Which... Do they make an appearance in Wave Kings? Because we've got Zahel. Uh, no, we read all of the Way of Kings and there was no okay. Nightblood in it. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're so funny. I do, actually. <laughs> I think I'm very funny. Okay. I'm a delight. You are a delight. But yeah, I think there is... I think we will find out... I don't know if they're going to unlock something or wake up one of the swords or something. I don't know. I mean, Adolin talks to his sword. I think it would be great if Adolin could have a full-on conversation with his shard blade. I think that would be fabulous. That would be really sweet. Yeah. I, yeah. Because he already uh, treats it with respect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Anyways, um, I don't think other people would like that. I think if like Sadius had a shard blade that pointed out his like how dishonorable he was the whole time he was using it <laughs> he'd get rid of so, it i'm thinking of the little gnome from the adventure zone called the nitpicker yeah. uh, and it is a little gnome who picks locks but criticizes how you've been doing your adventures while it does it yeah um so yes i agree with you i would love to see adolin and his sword form a bond and i also would like to see sadius roasted (laughs) by a sword (laughs) oh i love that i love that so much but here's the thing and i was telling megan we're getting all of this really great really great information about shard blades and delinar tunes it out this this is me and wendell trying to tell lift stuff i'm like Oh, give me the lore. What you is gonna that? give us the information? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when when Windle kept trying to give Lift lore and information on magic and whatever, <laughs> yeah, and she's just talking over. It. I'm getting, I'm getting that like same thing again. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, he's he's not just tuning it out because he's bored. He's tuning it out because he is trying to figure out the logistics for these war camps, you know, how or his um, assault on the Shattered Plains. And, and they're going to kind of do a 
I guess a test run and he's like well how many scribes do I bring how are we going to worry about sanitation like he's he's thinking about the logistics and here's the thing there should be people who worry about that there should be someone whose job it is to take care of all of that stuff like I understand Dalinar needs to make some of the bigger decisions you know but um it's interesting that he is taking it all on himself which I again, there's going to be this really fascinating conversation between Dalinar and Wit, kind of talking about that same thing with the kingdom. Um, but the idea that Dalinar is doing it all himself, and he doesn't have to be, and this is an interesting character development for him, because he's just—I think he's so you. Hmm. I say he's not used to running a kingdom. That's not what I mean. He's not used to delegating. He's at the top of the chain of command. Like, yeah, I think he's seen Elokar delegate everything else away, and he doesn't want to do that. Uh, Dalinar is doing the politics side of ruling when, as we'll see from his conversation with Wit, he's the smash and grab. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his job. He's good with battles. He's good with fighting. Yep. And it's, it's, he's having a bad time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so oh, something we're go ahead real fast. This might be a case of we're going to record for as long as we record. We may chop this up into two different episodes to air it. Okay, so I want to record everything, but maybe we'll pause after the the bridge drop mm-hmm. and be like, "Jokes on you guys, cliffhanger episode." <laughs> Okay, cause only because we're two pages in and a half hour into our record. <laughs> <laughs> They're juicy chapters. But anyway, here's something I was proven wrong, and this is the only time that has ever happened ever in my life about anything. My eyebrows can't go any higher than this, <laughs> but I want you to imagine they just keep going until they vanish into my hair. Um, we do get confirmation, unfortunately, that Dalinar's wife is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I told you and you didn't believe me. I, <laughs> I was kind of I'm hoping for roast some... you about it. <laughs> it's fine. I was kind of hoping for some sort of soap opera event where like, like, in... okay, spoilers for Jane Eyre, I guess. Uh... <laughs> Secret wife in the war camp attic? (laughs) A literal secret wife? Literal secret wife. Um, But instead, uh, because Navani's having such a hard time with Yasna's death that she actually asks Dalinar, how did you handle it when? And she says the wife's name, but Dalinar only hears like static. Like it's even grayed out in the book. It's very cool the way they've done it. And she's like, I know you loved her. You don't have to deny it from my ego. What? The, the wife got killed by the void fish from the adventure zone. Are you here for the... Uh, we are not hunters. Okay, that tells me everything I need to know. It's Brian, darling. Brian, Brian darling. You're related, You're related to, to Wendy, Wendy darling. darling. It's not my Christian name, so... I've landed on Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die now. Life is flagging from my body. Goodbye. Cruel world. 
I, I cast magic missile at him. Oh, 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 no! Oh, listen, if you haven't listened to the Adventure Zone, you are missing out. Emily, did you see the Taz animated fan project that came out last month? No, I didn't. Okay, so this started back in 2017. I wasn't on it because I was doing something else for Taz at the time. Um, But they took a half hour. They edited down to a half hour of Wave Echo Cave. Meeting Killian, fighting the thing with chains, meeting Magic Brian, that whole fight with Gundren. And they chopped it up into segments three to six seconds long and gave it to a ton of different artists and they animated the entire episode. You could do your own art style. You could do your own camera style. It could be CG animation. It could be hand-drawn. It could be claymation. And they, as a group project, coordinated over six years, animated an entire fake episode of The Adventure Zone. That's amazing! It's very cute. It's very cool. Oh, I'm uh, excited to see that. Friend of the pod, Patty, is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does the... <laughs> She does the, I suppose no introductions will be necessary. Yeah. I would like to know your names, though. Okay, so you would agree that introductions are necessary. necessary. <laughs> Not for me, though. My reputation precedes me. Or so my spider jabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could recite that episode by memory. <laughs> I definitely could. Like, let's see. <laughs> Gundren. How did you forget? The one thing we were here on our quest for, Griffin. So good. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. Um, I'm on a re-listen right now, and I made it all the way through Suffering Game. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped back to the beginning of Suffering Game and listened to it again. You guys, I don't know what it was, but my love for the Suffering Game arc, I love it now. I, when I first listened to it, when it was first coming out, it was really hard because it was broken up by like several different breaks and paternity leaves because i think both travis and griffin had babies Mm -hmm. and so like only getting one episode a month and getting sad episodes once a month was hard but doing a re-listen being able to do the whole story in one go suffering game is so good like the character stuff is so good because merle's magic isn't working correctly healing spells don't work and the the players, you know, um, Travis, Justin, and Clint have to come up with all of this creative stuff to work around the roadblocks that Griffin's placed for them. So it makes for some really cool battles. And then Griffin, in like one of the nicest DM moves a DM could make, he revealed after that something in the Suffering Game arc was supposed to go very, very, very differently. That it was supposed to be a point of no return. And the players found a way around it and instead of railroading them into this complex story he had planned he let them do it and it was so good this episode is sponsored by the adventure zone <laughs> <laughs> word of mouth wednesday y'all <laughs> my reputation precedes me so i'm gonna go and talk about something navani says because she asks dalinar how he got through this because he loved his first wife so much. It, she's like, it's not going to hurt my ego. But she also mentions that this is the first time she's ever gone through something like this. And Dalinar realizes 
that she's like super confirming that when Gavilar died, she didn't really care. I mean, I'm sure she did, you know, but it didn't hit her. She didn't love him. And he's like, this is the closest that's ever been confirmed that they were having marital issues. Like, he doesn't even know, like, what went on between... I mean, you shouldn't know what goes on with your siblings and their significant other, you know. But um, that's what... I wanted him to ask her about it because I want to know. And I'm a nosy Nelly and just like to know everything. Mm. So that was mm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I love the line in the next thing because there's a feast happening tonight and Dalinar is being all oof about it Mm -hmm. and Navani has this great line saying you must not despise them listen to me Dalinar has any good ever come from a father hating his children Mm -hmm. yeah and she she gives him a great fatherhood slash leadership speech Um, saying, you loathe their excess and you are close to applying that emotion to them as well. They live the lives they have known. The lives that society has taught them are proper. You won't change them with contempt. You aren't wit. It isn't your job to scorn them. Your job is to enfold them, encourage them, lead them, Dalinar. Mm -hmm. Hey, Navadi, that's a great speech. Yeah. I feel like um, we should apply that to uh, a few other characters in the book. Right. Because they're heading to a feast. They're heading to this big thing. And yeah, Dalinar is kind of showing those signs of being like frustrated with the excess of the Alethi. This is my one of my favorite lines. The world itself seemed close to ending and the Alethi threw a party. Like, I love that. I love that. Um, but is it Plato's cave? Is that the one? This is what this reminded me of. Plato's where... allegory of the cave, you yes. say? So uh, if you've never heard of this, what it is is uh, there's a cave. This is what, you know, Plato had explained about like enlightenment, that sort of thing. There is a cave and there are people sitting in the cave and they are, I think they're like chained down. They have like a chain around their neck being forced to look at this wall and there's shadow puppets going on the wall and and there's... Um, incentives to watch this and to interact with it um and it's it's kind of you know the most important thing in these people's lives is they have to watch what's going on and then if you take one of them and lead them out of the cave and let them see that there are people uh manipulating those shadow puppets and then you go outside of the i'm not explaining it as well as plato obviously but and then you go outside (laughs) of the cave it's it's you really have to hear it in the original ancient greek otherwise (laughs) (laughs) loses its meaning but you go outside and and the man realizes or person i'm gonna say person the person realizes there's more to life than just what is there you know on the on the wall with the shadow puppets and they go back to the cave and try and explain to the people what they've seen what they've experienced you know and the people who are still there chained do not believe them because they have no experience. They have no reason to do that. And so I'm kind of getting this with Dalinar, where he has been enlightened. And he's trying to lead these people out of the cave. But they really don't have any incentive to follow Dalinar. Because, and this mentioned several times in this reading about how the princess, just the high princess, want everything to be easy like it was before. All of a sudden, Dalinar's coming in and changing the status quo. 
And it's really making everybody <laughs> mad because now they have to work for what they were given freely. Oh, it's just, this is a really good chapter. Yeah, we're like three pages in. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the feast. The mm-hmm. feast, the feast. Um, Dalinar is trying to form High Prince alliances to get people to come with him on the final charge across the plains. He talks to Vama. Um, he then realizes, though, that somebody is like hiding some papers and people are looking at Dalinar in a certain way and people are like hiding laughs behind their hands and he goes to talk to Sadius someone else we haven't seen for a while Mm. and he's like Sadius what did you do me I haven't done anything (laughs) shut up (laughs) (laughs) ugh Somebody do something about that guy. Right? Uh, so, Aladar is another high prince who's probably allying with Sadius. And Dalinar tries to zing him and, you know, say, oh, I never knew you for a pup to follow at his master's heels. Aladar just doesn't reply. And there's, it's looking like he's got nobody. He's got nobody. But then, Wit shows up. Hey, Emily. <laughs> want to talk about Wit yeah. and Delinor? Well, someone else also shows up at the same time. Oops. Oh, <laughs> this guy. The slimy <clears throat> eel of a man. Like, like I, I haven't seen really any artwork for this because I'm really trying to avoid spoilers. But I just want to imagine... Amaram as like his hair like oiled and like a little mustache that he gets a tiny mustache. <laughs> uh. But Wit goes after Amaram and Amaram Amaram doesn't know him. He hasn't met this Wit. He's never met this Wit before, and Wit is relentless. And Amaram's trying to be amicable and. Like, kind of be like, haha, we're doing this together. We're friends. I'm really like, I don't mind interacting with this new wit. But like I said, wit just is just so, oh, I can't even think of the word. And he's he's not, okay, this isn't just about like insulting Amaram's appearance the way that we've seen him too. He is attacking Amaram's apparent virtue. Mm-hmm. Saying things like, oh, I wish I could get a hold of the stuff you use to make your hands look clean. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Wit knows stuff about Amaram. Yeah. Amaram knows things. Amaram turned to Wit a look of bafflement on his face. You're very good at that expression, Wit noted. A great deal of practice, I assume. Yeah. And then Amaram, Amaram says, why hasn't anyone killed him yet? Dumb luck, Wit said, in that I'm lucky you're all so dumb. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> And it's revealed because Dalinar keeps trying to figure out what these papers are that have been that have been you know passed around. And again, I'm just like, we'll just look at them and see what they are. Because I thought it was like a like a caricature or something like that. I didn't realize it was actually like a written out account. And what it is, um, what these papers are, they're the accounts that he has been speaking during his high storms. They're all the visions that he's been having that Nivani has been transcribing. But there's a huge difference in that the person who copied this, they copied Dalinar's visions word for word. They didn't change any of that. But Navani's tone 
on the paper is mocking and the footnotes uh make it seem like she's just kind of placating him and she thinks this is all the stupidest thing she's ever heard and Navani is incensed about it not that not that it's it was passed around or you know stuff had you know stuff of hers had been stolen per se but that it changed her intent like to her that is like the biggest insult that they made her look a certain way when she doesn't feel she is and Dalinar's just like that's okay and she's like it is not okay (laughs) it's not okay I also want to bring up before we really get into that the conversation between Dalinar and Amaram okay because Amaram is the one who tells Dalinar hey this is what's on the paper it's account of your visions Mm -hmm. and Amaram is like oh okay so do you think that do you believe what people are being said about me and Amaram all sparkly is like these are visions from the almighty himself and they they give me confidence in my position and your appointment as a prophet and dalinar's like "Mm, dead gods don't have prophets dead no dalinar you misinterpret he's he's telling the man receiving the visions that the man doesn't understand his own visions. Amram is mansplaining Dalinar's own <laughs> visions to him. Um, but yeah, he speaks of being dead in the minds of men, that they no longer listen to his commands. God cannot die. And this is the bit I really want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Amram seems so earnest. Why didn't he help your sons? Kaladin's voice rang in Dalinar's mind. And now, Emily, Amram apparently did give Dalinar an explanation and excuse after the duel. Mm-hmm. You know that oh I'm I'm a knight's radiant and I can't be seen interfering in the squabbles of of, of princes of men yeah of men and I'm like sir oh this it, he needed to be above the squabbles between high princes even when it pained him <laughs> <laughs> barf man shut up <laughs> oh oh keep Kaladin, going Kaladin Amram. Amram is like, I'm surprised you left the slave as head of your guard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Amram is, like, worried. <laughs> well, I mean, one, yes, he should be worried. But I think maybe that's one reason he's trying extra hard to, like, elevate himself. Because mm-hmm. he wants to be above reproach. And if someone comes to him and accuses him of this, he's just like, well, that doesn't sound like me. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, if you trust that slave, so be it, though. I certainly wouldn't mind hearing an apology from him, mm-hmm. not for my own ego, but to know he's put aside that misconception of his. Hey, Amaram. Hey, Amaram. Do you want to know where you can stick your apology? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to wrap it up in that golden cloak <laughs> and then shove it. Oh, this guy's the worst. He really is. I think because we all know people like him. We all know people mm-hmm. who, who like, insert themselves into conversations or make themselves seem more important than they are. Like, inflate their own egos. Like, we all see what you're doing and they pretend, like, obviously that's not what I'm doing. But we all know. The guilty always involve themselves in the investigation. <laughs> And the most famous guest star is always the murderer. 
<laughs> Although, again, I must remind you that Wit is technically the most famous guest star in this book. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I would say he's even more famous than Zahel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, with now understanding why the crowd is laughing, understanding what's going on, Dalinar gets up on a table. Right. Emily, do you want to talk about it? So, yeah, he, like, clears a spot, and he stands up, and, like, he set one hand on the lantern pole beside the table and looked out over the small crowd. They were the most important people in Alethkar. Like, this isn't just, like, carpenters and bridgemen and things like that. These are the high princes and their significant others and the people who, like, run run the war camps and Dalinar just goes what you have read is true like he just embraces it I did not expect this I thought he was not going to retreat but I thought he was going to try and take the high road and just pretend like okay this is a silly joke or whatever but no he he then explains like okay yeah what I what what you're reading is true but all the commentary all that that's been added uh, what I will do now is every time I have a vision, I will have it transcribed and sent out so that you can read it. Ugh. And you said this reminded you, this reminded you of something in Grey's Anatomy. Yes. So I haven't seen a lot of Grey's Anatomy, but most- I have. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first season, uh, one of the characters, Izzy Stevens, it's been rumored that she put herself through med school- what? I hate Izzy Stevens. Oh, but this is a good scene. So talk about <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. If I miss anything, you'll need to add it just because it's been a while since I've seen it. But um, uh, finally, it's it's kind of it's kind of put to the thing like she's so beautiful. She's she's you know getting ahead by sleeping around and all of this stuff. And the last straw finally comes when they find her lingerie. I say they. Alex Karev finds her lingerie. Alex Karev. Uh, like campaign and pastes it all over the locker room and she has had enough and she she gets up and she starts being like what are these and she like rips her top off and she's just in her bra and she's like how can anyone practice medicine hauling these around and she just really like shows Alex how stupid he is and she tells him well at least I'm debt free. I used all this money to put myself through med school and you're left with thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Do you wanna do you wanna hear me do the whole speech, which I know? You know the whole speech? Yes, please do it. <laughs> okay, so Alex uh Izzy's picture, there's a tattoo. And so it starts with her like she's tearing off her lab coat and she's like, let's see. Uh, you want to see it? You really want to see it? Fine. Let's look at that tattoo up close and personal, shall we? And this is when she throws her shirt, like, right in Alex's face. What are these? Oh, my gosh. Breasts. How does anybody practice medicine hauling these around? And what have we got back here? Let's see if I remember my anatomy. Glutes, right? And she's, like, ripping off her pants, too. Let's study them, shall we? Gather around and check out the booty that put Izzy Stevens through med school. You want to call me Dr. Model? That's fine. But just remember that while you're sitting on 200 grand in student loans, I'm out of debt. Like, good for her, <laughs> you know? I can't believe uh -huh. you have the whole thing memorized. 
it's a it's a good scene it is a good scene and so this kind of this Dalinar scene reminded me of that just because you just embrace <laughs> you just completely embrace what you are and what you've done what just imagining Dalinar stripping on the <laughs> table while he's doing this how does anyone practice war with these and he like flexes his, <laughs> his gigantic pecs <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so now, and I love the way that he continues to handle this. We do a little bit of a time jump. He has gone around the entire feast basin and he has been speaking to people for hours. Mm -hmm. He's so cool. Uh, he's noting that... Adolin and Shalon are getting on like a house on fire. Yes. Oh, I loved, I, oops. Yes. I loved this part because, well, first of all, can I, can I talk about again, the Alethi where yep. we, we know how this basin sort of is set up. There's water and everything. And beforehand they had dumped all of these, um, I don't know if they were gemstones or if they were, um, they're spheres, spheres. And so the water was purple. And now that the moon has changed, they've been all scooped out and changed into blue. Like, like no expense has been sped. <laughs> but I love that, yeah, he's he's thinking about, because Adolin has gone and, and is escorting Shalon back to Sepharial's war camp. And Delinar's kind of going like, this is more serious than anything else that Adolin's ever done. Um, for that reason alone, Dalinar was increasingly inclined to encourage the relationship, assuming he could ever get some straight answers out of Yakovet about her family. That kingdom was a mess. And I'm like, pot, kettle, glass house, stones. <laughs> okay, but, but to be fair, Zeth has deliberately destabilized Yakovet. Multiple high princes are murdered. Their king is murdered. And the country is in the middle of a civil war. Because so many of the nobility have been taken out by the assassin. To be fair, I think that Alethkar would be in the same position <laughs> were it not for Kaladin and his all of his efforts in stopping the assassin in white. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for, were it not for him um, emotionally devastating the assassin in white. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the other thing that I'm, I want to, I want to, guess about is uh i think the truth about shallan's family is going to come to light i don't know how much of a difference it will make though because like uh the adolin likes her like they seem to be very close i don't think that uh he will care where she comes from really um and at least we haven't seen Shalon go out and try and make alliances. Like if if the truth about her came out, like I feel like in any other book, if the truth about her came out uh, and and it was revealed like, oh, she's really from this tiny little town and she's been walking around pretending to be something she's not, like that would be a huge, huge blow. But she's... She hasn't been making friends. I mean, she has like Sabariel and Polona and yeah. Paloma. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of consequences are going to come from that. But then comes 
one of the best conversations. Hey, yeah. Oh. Hey, yeah. I like it because it shows that Dalinar is so hyper aware of mm-hmm. what's going on. I would have been and really upset. in it. Yeah. I would have been really upset had Wit pointed some pointed this out to Dalinar and Dalinar being like, what? That's not what's happening. What? But no, Dalinar <laughs> is completely aware. Meg, you want to take this one? I just love your Dalinar voice. <laughs> what? That's not what's been happening. What? <laughs> um, you do the Car so... voice. I'll do the Dalinar voice from now on. <laughs> Wit slyly points out that Oh, I didn't have anything to do tonight because no one wanted to talk to the king. Mm-hmm. They all came to Dalinar instead. Wit, am I a tyrant? Yes, Dalinar Corlin, you are. I do not wish to be. With all due respect, Bright Lord, that is not quite the truth. You seek for power. You take hold and let go only with great difficulty. Do not sorrow. It is an era for tyrants. I doubt this place is ready for anything more, and a benevolent tyrant is preferable to the disaster of weak rule. Perhaps in another place and time I'd have denounced you with spit and bile. Here, today, I praise you as what this world needs. I should have allowed Elokar his right of rule and not interfered as I did. Why? Because he is king. And that position is something sacrosanct? No. Oh. Sacrosanct? How do you say that word? I think it's sacrosanct. Sacrosanct? Divine? No. The Almighty, or the one claiming to be him, is dead. Even if he hadn't been, the kingship didn't come to our family naturally. We claimed it and forced it upon the other high princes. So then why? Because we were wrong. Gavilar, Sadius, and I were wrong to do as we did all those years ago. You unified the kingdom, Dalinar. You did a good work, something that was sorely needed. This is unity? No wit. We failed. We crushed, we killed, and we have failed miserably. I receive in Alethkar only what I have demanded. In taking the throne by force, we implied, no, we screamed that strength is the right of rule. If Sadius thinks he is stronger than I am, then it is his duty to try and take the throne from me. These are the fruits of my youth, Wit. It is why we need more than tyranny, even the benevolent kind, to transform this kingdom. That is what Noodon was teaching, and that is what I've been missing all along. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. I again, Dalinar, getting back into Dalinar's head, really elite alleviates a lot of my fears about him about him Mm -hmm. getting distracted by other things or whatever and so yeah he knows that this is the kingdom that we set up this is why they are acting this way he is seeing the consequences of his actions from so many years ago and especially the line about like yeah if Sadius thinks I'm too weak to rule obviously he's gonna step in and do what he can to take the kingdom away from me like why should I expect anything else it's I, I almost feel like he's doing that so it's not as personal because, I I mean, mm-hmm. what happened with Sadius was obviously very hurtful. Um, but 
it is exactly what Sadius claims his reasoning behind it was. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, for the sake of our old friendship, for the sake of what we were in our youth, that's why I had to do this, Dalinar. So when Dalinar says it is why we need more than tyranny, even the benevolent kind to transform this kingdom, what is he talking about? Uh, like, we need how kindness. Is... We need honor. We need actual unity and not people who... <laughs> it means leading with the consent of the governed and not through threat of force. <laughs> Thank you, Barbie. <laughs> but we don't have it. At the end of last book, we saw Dalinar talking about you make a child do what is right. Mm-hmm. You force him to do what is right so he can make his own decisions. <sighs> and just... uh you know, Wit's kind of like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, by the way, I'm leaving again. Goodbye. <laughs> Emily, where is he going? He doesn't say. Um, this, like, this next part. Why is he going there? Uh, he's going because he says, I have discovered a place that I must be, though to be honest, I'm not exactly sure why I need to be there. This doesn't always work as well as I'd like it to. Is this when he goes to uh, talk with Siri and tell her the story in Warbreaker? I will let you know Warbreaker has happened before this oh, book. Okay. And that's why Zayhel's here Oh, now. duh, duh, duh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like, I can put the pieces together. Do we find out or is this like extra outside knowledge that only Cosmere scholars know? Yeah, I think this is this is him just... Okay, so I do not think where he's going is important. I think the real nugget of information here is that something about Wit knows when he is supposed to leave, like Mary Poppins, <laughs> but he doesn't know what happens when he does. So that's something we've learned about Wit mm-hmm. today. And Dalinar's not put pieces together, but I mean, he's they're living in weird enough times that he just straight mm-hmm. up asks, are you a herald? Uh, no. Are you and an Wit angel? Says <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wit says no, and Wit's not a radiant either. Nope. But he ends with a pretty sad and threatening thing here at the end. Um, While I am your friend, please understand that our goals do not completely align. You must not trust yourself with me. If I have to watch this world crumble and burn to get what I need, I will do so with tears in my eyes, but I would let it happen. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I absolutely love... I This chapter has some of the best lines I've read so far in this series. Mm-hmm. Like... The Alethi are throwing a party, you know, Sadius being overthrown, that yes, I will watch, I will watch the world burn with tears in my eyes. So good. Um, so, okay, maybe I'm, I'm getting too, maybe I'm just jumping way too far ahead, but, uh, it's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to help, but if I'm going to do that, I need to leave because if someone finds me, he says, then I become nothing, a soul shredded and broken into pieces that cannot be reassembled. But when we talk to Syl and when she's like, I'm a little tiny piece of a god. Is this the same sort of situation? 
gosh, you are, I'm going to, there's a huge sparkly ray folk. Okay. And, and I want you to imagine there's a light just flashing on and off in my brain okay. being like, tell her, no, tell her, no. But Emily, the magical thing with Syl that you're describing mm-hmm. is very much in the same vein as what Wit is describing. Okay. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm glad to know they're connected. Listeners, I want to do a big thing. And I, and I, and if you guys want to yell at me, fine. But Emily, when, uh, when you drop a dish on the floor and it gets shattered, what do you call those pieces? Fragments. What's another word for it? Shards. (gasps) Are they a piece of a god? And you put them all together and do a age of Voltron? Back to the book. <laughs> Who's wit fighting? Oh, oh this is so exciting. You, I'm giving you another little piece. Okay. Who is going after, who's who's coming after wit? The father of hatred, which I'm assuming is odium, right? That's a really good assumption. <laughs> Thank you. Listeners, I'm going to just say yes. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. odium. Okay. <laughs> like no don't spoil it and i'm like we've been reading these books for two years i have earned this mm-hmm. all right well on to chapter two <laughs> and hour two of our podcast all right chapter so this 68 is... bridges mm-hmm. give me an epigraph However, it seems to me that all things have been set up for a purpose, and if we, as infants, stumble through the workshop, we risk exacerbating, not preventing, a problem. Mm. Mm. Um, the episode, you know, starts off on the shattered... The episode. The chapter. <laughs> starts off on the shattered planes that I thought Kaladin was out there to practice everything. Turns out uh-huh. he is on the practice run with Dalinar bringing everyone out to the Shattered Plains. I Correct me if I'm wrong. This is like a test run for the final attack on the Parshendi. Yeah, this is a scouting mission. Mm-hmm. Adolin mentioned it. Uh, Adolin mentioned it to Shallan when they were uh, IMing mm-hmm. um, oh, that's a couple right. chapters ago. Um, it's very interesting because later on we find out that, well, Kaladin kind of seems to think that all of this is for Shallan so that Shallan can come out and draw the chrysalis and he's like wow she has way too much power over this family like he's a little he's -hmm. a little worried about that but uh something real bad is happening to Khaled and megan hey yeah cecile comes over he's holding a sphere in his hand he's trying to slurp slurpy slurp and nothing's happening and sil comes over and this is so reminiscent of when they were in the slave caravans in the first book Mm -hmm. and she's like what is it is it a piece of the knight's cloak? What is it? I won't tell. And she's acting like when we first saw her. Mm-hmm. So he says, you know what this is? A spirit. Didn't you see it just now? She looked at him face innocent. You what are making say? bad choices. Naughty. What? And Kaladin immediately knows why. He immediately knows why this is happening. It's because he promised Moash he would help assassinate the king. And I am so fascinated to see how Brandon is going to tie all of this together because he has presented multiple facets 
of this situation of what a terrible King Elokar is, but also he was never kind of given, well, we don't know, but, but the idea that other people have been doing the ruling for him. And so in order to assassinate and kill the king, do you kill the king or do you kill the power behind the king? Like, and but yeah. he has promised Moash he will help kill the king and that is very dishonorable and Kaladin's powers have been significantly stripped. Um, and it's so funny that like I thought this practice run was going to be on the Shattered Plains mm-hmm. and apparently it's over a gigantic river because Kaladin is standing in denial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Because after Syl leaves, Kaladin gives himself this whole lying to himself pep talk of Syl couldn't see why his decision was the right one. She was a spren and had a stupid, simplistic morality. To be human was often to be forced to choose between distasteful options. And I'm like, okay, buddy, no one's making you do this. No one's like, okay, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is giving me Amaram parallel vibes of... Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I want to rewind to the Wit and Dalinar conversation. When Wit and Dalinar... You don't have to put this back in the episode. I'll just say it here. Okay. When Wit and Dalinar are talking and he's saying, I did horrible things to do the... To get the thing. Wit says, okay, but you did them for a good reason. I'm trying to find the exact moment. You unified the kingdom. You did good work. And Dalinar disagrees. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to our conversation in our previous episode about if you do a bad thing to get a good outcome, it doesn't undo the badness of the thing you did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And so, yeah, at this point, Kaladin's kind of lying to himself. Like, he knows it's dishonorable. He he knows, he knew immediately why, you know, his, his powers are not working. And so... I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because. And. Yeah. Um, this is even, I think, touching the the raw nerves of his recent imprisonment where on the next page he's like, does Syl really expect him to live according to her perception of what was right and wrong? Was she going to yank his powers away every time he did something that risked offending her? That would be like living with a noose around his neck. Mm-hmm yeah yeah it's i see why it chafes at him all right i'm just gonna say that again spren do not cause the thing spren are drawn to the thing so if kaladin's not acting honorable then he may not have an honor spren very long what if she goes over to dalinar what if she does i don't know imagine Kaladin sees Syl in her childish, very early form, talking to someone else, and sees, like, Syl grow up. It'd be like losing his daughter to someone else. Yeah, it would be. So the, um, the, all the, the old crew's back together again, and they're carrying bridges, and they're laughing about how easy it is now. <laughs> listeners! <laughs> listeners! Emily, as she's reading this chapter, goes, the bridge is too light. Something's wrong with it. And I was like, uh, no, they're stronger now. And you said, no, someone's done something to the bridge. And I was like, 
Oh, it's hard being me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's it's a real curse. Uh, to distract from this, um, Dalinar's talking with some of his scouts, and oh, they've seen something out on the plains. What was it? <laughs> and Emily goes, "Oh no!" And then she goes, "Oh, it's just the assassin in white. That's fine." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> No, he's on Kaladin, zipping around, practicing. No, he didn't. Was it really the Assassin in White? No, it now was I'm really Kaladin. It was really Kaladin. Really really okay. But it's funny that you were relieved thinking it was Zeth because you're like, oh, Zeth's not a problem. He's... I don't want, like, Kaladin doesn't want anyone to find out about him, like, at all. And so I yeah. was worried. I was worried that he was going to be exposed um, but they talk about the, the people who are out there spying, how they have to be a special kind of crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I really enjoyed this because like in order to get to their like spy towers, uh, they have to vault across, uh, the chasms. They have to use like a pole and like pole vault across and where they sit up and watch is made out of wood. And so like Kaladin's trying to distract them from talking about this person that they saw zipping around out on the plane. And turns out that there's like a tiny little shelter like they take the they take the little tower the wooden tower apart when there's a uh-huh. high storm and like hunker down like a turtle inside its shell and uh, a special kind of crazy indeed you just emily who would you want to cuddle during a high storm oh my dog okay he'd hate I was it though say me oh. but uh... <laughs> No, I would not take Copper out in a high storm. He would be too scared. Listeners, write in. Who would you like to cuddle <laughs> during a high storm? Outside. Outside. Dalinar and Kaladin have a chat. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin's not being wholly honest. Because Dalinar is trying to talk about the imprisonment. Trying to apologize. Well, I don't know that he's apologizing, but. Yeah. And Kaladin says, oh, I've already forgotten it. I appreciate not being demoted. And I'm like, sir, you are lying. <laughs> you... That has scarred you. Yeah. That was like a core bad memory for you. Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> and I find it interesting because, you know, they're talking about the assassin in white as well and how uh, they're not, He's. they know that the assassin white is not after King Elokar. He is coming after Dalinar because Dalinar is the power behind the throne. And mm-hmm. Dalinar hates being away from Elokar. And he finally, you know, Kaladin's trying to, put some sense into him and he's like if you are away from the king then he's obviously safer um and he says i suppose delinar said unless the assassin's comments were misdirection he shook his head i might order you to stay with him next time i can't help but feel i'm missing something important something right in front of me and kaladin like hears those words like order you to stay with him next time it was almost like fate itself was pushing kaladin to be in a position to betray the king like he's he's really i say taking the coward's way out i don't mean it like that but he's like that means you're free to check the king (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the idea that like well if i'm not there then i can't do anything to betray the king and so i really don't have to do the thing that i said i was gonna do um 
But it's interesting also that Dalinar's like, I can't help I feel I'm missing something important, something right in front of me. And I wonder if that's uh, if that's talking about Kaladin. Because uh, Dalinar wants to, you know, get the Radiance back together, get the band back together. So I don't know if, if he's talking about Kaladin or if it's going to mean something else that he didn't realize was right in front of him. Well, well, well. Speaking of right in front of him. Who do they talk about? They're talking about Renarin. What's Renarin doing? He's having a good time with Bridge Four. Yeah. And uh, Kaladin asks Dalinar, how was he after what happened in the arena? And Emily, has Renarin been handling things okay? Nope. Oh, where's his shard blade? Uh, he hasn't summoned it in weeks. He won't even go practice with Zahel. Like, like, uh, do we get a Renarin POV chapter ever? Are we ever in his head? I would assume we would be eventually. I'm gonna repo that. Okay. I don't think there would be a flashback to, uh, for us to see what Renarin was thinking in the arena. But it's got to be explained at one point because he was just like sitting there. I don't know. Did, was it confirmed if he was having a fit or not? Or if he was just uh, That's what Kaladin... Believe. No, that's what Adolin believed was happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that it really shook him. Whatever happened, and and I really hope we get an explanation more about the arena. Um, but yeah, Dalinar's like he's been spending most of his time here with the men, and he, Dalinar doesn't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If it's a good thing that he's finding friends, fitting in, that sort of thing. But it's. Also, he's afraid it's going to be used as an excuse to, um, like, avoid his responsibilities. Which, fair. But Calden is like, listen, your son is a nerd. He's a freak. <laughs> and he doesn't have anyone who likes him. Mm-hmm. Which is why he should hang out with us. <laughs> and uh, with confidence, Bridge 4 is the best place he could be. Yep, yep. Bridge 4! Bridge four. Uh, so all day they're going like very slowly across the plains, and like this is definitely like this planned scouting trip was planned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like this is a practice move for the new bridge systems, the Chol bridges. But Kaladin's like, we're doing all of this so Shalon can see a chrysalis, and I'm like, no, that was an extra added bonus round. <laughs> But uh, then he starts thinking about how smitten Adolin is. And think of the devil and he appears. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it's it's as conversations go, it's not as antagonistic as it could be. Like it's it's just some light ribbing, you know. Yep. Uh, they're talking about horses. Kaladin's horse hatred still goes. Um, deep. <laughs> But yeah, Kaladin tries to slurp another sphere, doesn't have anything, and he goes to talk to Syl. And and before he was like, oh, she's just toying with me, she's just playing with me. And I think now he, Kaladin is realizing something is not right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just like, he hoped it was, he's just hoping, like... He's just hoping that Syl is just playing a trick on him and that it's not something more, but he really does know that something's going on. And she tells him, 
you have to decide what you want. And we've talked about this before about the the spren, they're right and wrong, you know, like it's wrong to kill, yes, but we went and killed the Parshendi and you didn't think that was wrong. Like really introducing this this idea of like a sliding scale of gray more you know morality in there as well so the real problem as kaladin's thinking things through the real problem is not that he is helping moash Mm -hmm. the problem is he has made two promises that contradict each other Mm -hmm. if he had I'd like to imagine if he and Moash had, like, made this decision first and Kaladin's like, I'm doing it because it's the right thing, that Syl probably wouldn't have approved, but I don't think we'd be getting what's happening here. Mm-hmm. But oh. the the dishonorable thing that's happening is Kaladin has promised Dalinar he'll protect Elokar, and he's promised Moash he will kill Elokar. And that's the problem. So, okay, that makes me feel better because for some reason I'm just like, if she's so mad about, mad about um, Kaladin promising to kill Elokar, I was just like, does that mean Elokar is supposed to be king and he's been ordained to be king and so the Spren are there to protect? Like that was going down like a whole other path. But this idea about two promises Mm -hmm. cleared everything up. Yeah. And not only that, like... There's a bit where Syl says, I don't want to force you to do anything. You have to do what you think is right. And Kaladin says, that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think you are. I think Kaladin knows it is wrong to assassinate Elokar. Yeah. That, like, that's not justice. Yeah. But Kaladin is working so hard to convince himself that it is. Uh, so I'm going to... I'm going to ask Emily, how do you think this situation will resolve? Because Syl just says, you can't just tell Moash no. You've gone too far for that. Mm -hmm. So how will Kaladin, one, fix this, or two, break it? So my initial thought is, in order to keep both promises to protect Elikar and kill him, that either... Elokar is going to be facing a fate worse than death and killing him is the only way to get him out of it. I don't know if that's like being possessed by a demon. Like, like I said, this is, this is very like clear out there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like that's the only way I can think of it. Like actually working of him keeping his promise or he will kill Elokar, but only for a little bit. And then he'll revive him with his surgeon skills. Okay, I'm taking um, this very literally, okay? <laughs> so, Kaladin's not a magical surgeon. He doesn't have what Lyft has. Right. Uh, you can revive okay. someone, like, if they've drowned or been okay. electrocuted. But, like, I don't think this is a Buffy situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> you asked! This is what I, can- <laughs> what I came up with! All right. Uh, so Syl says just telling Moash no isn't enough. What would be, and so let's say, so yours is like, okay, if he went, if he went through with it and killed Elokar, that's how he would do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if he were to keep his promise to Dalinar and protect Elokar, what would he have to do to break his promise with Moash? He'd have to make Elokar not the king. 
Okay, you're you're thinking genie magic, right? No, no, no. You're thinking, no I'm, like, I'm super thinking super literal. I'm thinking a coup. They overthrow everything, okay. and Elokar is not the king anymore, and so it doesn't matter. He doesn't have the power. He's not in charge anymore, which technically I think fulfills the spirit of what Moash and Co. are trying to do. You asked I me. Think Moash, I know, I know. I think Moash really wants to kill Elokar. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think that Moash will be happy with anything less than murder. Yeah. Like for Moash it's not about the throne it's not about the power this is about getting justice for what Elhokar did in the past Mm -hmm. and no matter what position Elhokar finds himself in or what changes he could potentially undergo I don't think that will be enough for Moash I agree with you a hundred percent sorry the reason why I said genie magic is is when you're like they have to make him not the king because Kaladin promised he would kill the king so as long as Elokar is not king Kaladin can't fulfill his bad promise and so I thought you were getting like lawyerly genie Uh, wish specific wording and I I'm sorry about that my bad (laughs) that's why I had that face on I'm like okay no Moash hates Elokar he doesn't hate all royalty (laughs) Ugh. Well, uh, Shalon pops out of her tent to watch the bridges unfold, the new bridges. And sketch it. She's like the best historian ever. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so um, Kaladin, again, is thinking about what he's always wanted to do. Because he's like, chill bridges are too slow. It's really the way to go is bridge runners. But, you know, it's, it's everybody gets killed. And he's just like armored, uh, armored bridge runners, uh, shields, full support with the army. Like Kaladin hasn't given up on his dream of protecting people, which I love. Yeah. Um, he notices a carpenter that looks kind of familiar. Okay. You know what this made me think of is when they are in the training grounds and he sees Zahel and the guy stands out, even though there's no reason he should. And so this is why I got really suspicious. It's because this one person stands out even though there's no reason for him to do that. Like, they talk about, I think he has a birthmark across his forehead. And, mm-hmm. and like, maybe that was, like, a, you know, something that would make someone stand out. But in this case, it's because, spoiler alert, Kaladin has seen him before elsewhere. Mm, Seti elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's interrupted in this musings by Moash coming over. Emily. What's up with Moash's eyes? The rumors are true. I cannot believe it. If you have shard plate and shard blade, I don't know if it's both of them, but he does. Uh, Moash's eyes have lightened up. They're now a tan, a very light tan. (laughs) My favorite color is light tan. I'd say brownish gold. He is loving being a shard pair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's giving him this confidence boost because, uh, you know, one, he outranks 90% of Alethkar. Uh, Dalinar had even granted Moash lands and a stipend from them, a lavish sum, and not just by Bridgman standards. And, like, with all this cool stuff, Moash has been elevated to an entirely different social standing and so his time with Bridge 4 is getting smaller and smaller. Like, he has other things he needs to do. And Kaladin is just like, this is one of the reasons I didn't take it is because I don't want to lose Bridge 4. Like, 
it's there these people are that important to him mm-hmm. and and moash is like i'm not a light eyes though like like what you said he's like i'm not like the other light eyes <laughs> Uh, and they talk about the plan. Emily, what's the plan to kill the king? They are going to do it uh, when Dalinar is not in the war camp. Uh, Kaladin doesn't want it to risk hurting Dalinar. And the new plan is to hit the king with an arrow. So there's no risk of implicating Kaladin or anyone who's supposed to be guarding him. Because how can you protect someone from a, a sniper? Like, yeah. Moash is like, <laughs> I'm doing this to protect you, sir. Here's what I think. I yeah. think... Moash's friends are going to try and pin it on Kaladin. Oh, no. That's what I think. And Moash is going to be betrayed. That's sad. It is sad. But it will be his own fault, hoisted up on his own petard. (laughs) Um, So, Kaladin is like, okay, okay, two promises. If I don't help kill the king, I will be betraying the very ideals of justice and honor. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's trying to, like, also be like, but the king killed people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and Storm's Dalinar wasn't innocent either. If he'd been as noble as he pretended, wouldn't he have seen Rashon imprisoned rather than shipped off somewhere where he, quote unquote, couldn't do any more harm? And so, like, Kaladin is having a lot of, like, morality questions going on. But yeah, he's also, he doesn't like this plan because it feels cowardly. An arrow. Like, remember, if you were to kill someone, they were entitled to see you coming. Isn't that hey. Zeth's whole thing? Uh, no, that is the Parshendi's whole thing. Oh, Zeth that's why he Because it was, it was a Parshendi tradition. And when um, Teravangian took control of Zeth's Oathstone, Teravangian knows the power of a good brand. Mm-hmm. And so he told Zeth to continue wearing white. That's part of Zeth's new Oathstone orders. Okay. So it is a Parshendi tradition that has been co-opted and stolen by Teravangian and its original meaning twisted. Kaladin mm. heads over to the bridge uh, watching Shalon drawing and Adolin has climbed off his giant horse, Sureblood. No. Sureblood is Dalinar's. What's Kaladin's like light something? Swift light, something? Swift foot singer. Swan song. You would think I would care about this beautiful horse. Listen, Adolin's horse. But they have kind of a fun conversation. Oh, what were you going to say? I'm just laughing that I don't know the name of this horse. Um, Adolin, for being the world's greatest detective, uh, is sure a little clumsy about what's going on. Because, uh, you know, they're talking about... Well, first of all, okay, I'm so sorry. They have a, a little conversation about uh, the Shalon and do you know anything about women? And Kaladin's like, light-eyed women? Nope. Um, and Kaladin, or Adolin starts confiding a little bit in Kaladin about like how much he likes Shalon and he really I wants to, really keep, want her. to keep her. So tell her that maybe, Kaladin said. <laughs> thinking of? Whom is he thinking of? Tara. And the mistakes he's made. They mentioned her, I want to say, one time in Way of Kings. Yep. That's all. That's all I know. That That was was it. That was all. (laughs) Mysterious woman in the Kaladin's (gasps) past. Is it a secret wife? (laughs) Rafe. 
Um, he is only he's only like nineteen. That's though. true. I don't know what the marrying age is. That is true. Laurel did get married or engaged when she was like fourteen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Like I said, Kaladin and Adolin having a cute little conversation, and Adolin, um, <laughs> and and Adolin again being like, "Well, like if the assassin white comes, you won't have a shard blade, but that's okay because you have, you know." <laughs> this is the clumsiest attempt I've ever seen at gathering information. That that thing. <laughs> what thing? You you know that thing. The- the thing with the um stuff <laughs> and finally Kaladin's like I don't think you have any idea what you're talking about and Adolin's like there's something about you admit it I admit nothing yeah Ugh. and and then they then they talk about they talk strategy yeah because, like, because uh, Kaladin tells them straight off, he's like, listen, when the assassin in white comes back, go for the killing blow. He full on tells him, I cut him and he healed himself. He's like, don't, we're not going to try and take him alive. We are just going to go kill the- him. Uh, I, this is the, ugh, this is such a good moment. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Sorry, I'm just I'm just rereading them like teasing each other, going back and forth, and and they're smiling. Well, okay, Adolin's smiling and laughing. Kaladin's like grunting and stuff. But this is giving me a very Kirk Spock vibe. Yes, I was actually thinking that because you had talked about <laughs> how you don't ship these two, uh-huh. but they're some of your favorite friendships, and I actually yeah. thought of Kirk and Spock. Oh, because like I mean, some people ship them. I know I'm sure some people ship Adolin and uh, Kaladin, but like, yeah, the friendship vibes are there. I can see them. So, uh, Shalon shows up, and we know that like Shalon is terrified of like keeping Adolin's attention, and she doesn't know how to be a good girlfriend, and she's like internally freaking out about that to herself, which is funny because it's mirrored in what Adolin has like been saying to Kaladin, but Shalon like plants a little kiss on Adolin's cheek and it causes a big reaction that Kaladin notices mm-hmm. because the Alethi don't do PDA like this. Yeah. And so Shalon probably isn't thinking anything of it, but she's like, just laid a smoocheroony. <laughs> and Adolin's like, ah! Ah! Uh, and the three of them do a, do a little thing and uh shallan and kaladin do not like each other Mm-mm. not even a little bit nope uh she tells him go polish your bridge or something <laughs> i do like that but the reason she kind of like tells him why she doesn't like him is she really points out how antagonistic he is towards adolin and mm-hmm. and you See, have once, every once right adolin to be leaves. because adolin is so unlikable she says and like at that moment like everyone turns and adolin's like with some like younger maybe not kids but like a the groom uh and oh Adolin's with like the water boy and he's letting him try on his helmet like like Adolin is the golden boy and and Shalon's just like yeah he's so unlikable I can totally see why you hate him you know just really giving him a hard time and the thing is Shalon doesn't realize that like 
this is one of the best friendships that Kaladin has right now. Because, mm-hmm. like, his friendship with Moash is really rough. On the rocks. And on the rocks. And he's mentioned earlier in the book that, like, he's not friends with the rest of Bridgeport. He protects them. He looks out for them. He's their leader. But he's not, like, on the same level with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that Shalon, you know, from Shalon's point of view, Kaladin's an Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from Kaladin's point of view, he's like, "This is really my only friend." <laughs> I treat him fine. Yeah. Oh uh, man, I hope Kaladin and Shalon will get the chance to spend some time together <laughs> and learn more about one another. Yeah, and the the day goes on, you know that sort of thing. And here's one thing I really love that. Uh, Kaladin brings up his idea to Dalinar about having the shielded bridgeman and having, you know, a protected thing and archers with instructions to defend the bridge crews. And Dalinar's like, yeah, okay, do it. Like, again, this is helping so much. And I I really, really, really hope that this is rocking uh, Kaladin internally because Sadius flat out never would do it. The bridgemen were just target practice for the Persendi to keep the arrows off of his val- more valuable soldiers. Um, and here Dalinar's just like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. You know? Mm. Because, yeah, bridges are, chill bridges are, are cumbersome and slow and it's taking them forever. And there's also a flaw, a big that giant flaw with chill bridges and mechanical bridges that unfold. Megan, what are those flaws? What is the one flaw in all of this? Well, it's pretty falafel. Uh, I bridges. hate that so much. <laughs> these bridges can, since they're so complex, they're very easy to sabotage. Mm-hmm. And it finally clicks with Kaladin where he's seen this man before. And it is one of the carpenters from Sadius's lumber yards. Yep. And so Kaladin starts running. He doesn't even have a plan. He just runs. And he yells to Adolin, Dalinar is on the bridge. This is an actual assassination attempt against Dalinar. And it all happens in an instant. Kaladin makes it to the bridge. Dalinar's turning. The carpenter pulls the lever. Adolin's reaching for Dalinar. The bridge collapses. Yeah. And that is the end of this week's reading. Mm. Now, Emily, I want you to pretend you haven't read ahead. Okay, I will pretend. What is going to happen next? (laughs) (laughs) So, Emily, uh, this might be the first real cliffhanger that you've read. No. What did you... There is one In more. This book. No. It's when Kaladin and Zeth go out the window. <laughs> oh, yeah. It always happens I with really, falling. <laughs> I really love these long distance falls, I guess. Okay, Emily, cliffhanger. You gasped when this happened. I did. Who's on the bridge? Uh, Well, Dalinar for sure. It doesn't say how many people were on the bridge, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, so the bridge is, oh, sorry. Okay. Time out. Time out. Time out. 
I don't have a very good imagination. <laughs> These bridges are huge. I'm thinking like a footpath footbridge, but no, they're they're huge. And there are a bunch of people on the uh-huh. bridge. I'm just realizing uh-huh. this because Shalon's on the bridge. Adolin's on the bridge. Kaladin's on the bridge. Dalinar's on the bridge. A lot of very important people are on the bridge. Uh, Assassination attempt. Who's going to die? Here's the thing. Click, click, click. I know Dalinar shows up in book four. And Shallan's on the cover of book four. Oh. Okay, then say goodbye to Adolin. I don't want to. <laughs> How do you know Dalinar shows up in book four? Because someone said something about something that happened. Oh, it was when we had people over for Dragon Con and okay. they were just like, oh, yeah, these people in book four. And, and I whipped around in my chair to be like. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, I mean, I well can't. Then I guess there's nothing to worry about, and everyone's fine. Uh, and we need to pick a song for this week. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and I kind of want to do "Like a Bridge." I don't know that one. Who's above? Like a bridge over troubled waters, the bridge will fall down. <laughs> um, I'm gonna try and get the version of it sung by one of my favorite South Korean artists, So Young. Because uh, her voice is amazing. So let's, this week's song, before we forget, because we forgot last we time. We did forget last time. Uh, the song is Like a Bridge or a Bridge Over Troubled Waters in honor of this collapsing bridge. Mm-hmm. And Emily, let's do our heralds. This should be pretty, this should be pretty quick this week for just 67 and 68. 67 is Ishar and the masked character, which we're having standard for wit. Remind me uh-huh. what Ishar does. I'm re- I'm getting their faces down, and next I will learn. Mm-hmm. I will Ishar learn. is the uh, Ishar is the bondsmith herald. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who's about like unity. Mm-hmm. Which I am. Dalinar's still trying to unify people, and mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. But there's I'm not a lot trying. of unity in that chapter. No, there's not. Uh, so Ishar's uh, primary aspects are being pious and guiding. Mm-hmm. And Dalinar's very pious. But I think he really is trying to guide what's happening. And like the way he reacted to the, the way he reacted to the pages could have been very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. 68. Bridges. Uh, Paula right yep um and is this one to lenalat tom no 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 and i this is so funny to me because we've seen tom multiple times in the last reading and you guessed he was someone <laughs> different every time you saw his picture okay who's this one i will tell you this one makes me think that this is what um tiern looks like that's how i've always pictured tiern okay you remember his name isn't really Tyrion, yeah, right? Okay. Just checking. Uh, this is Kalek. Kalek. So I want you to remember, this guy looks like Adam Winchester. Yeah, he does. No, Adam Winchester went to hell. That's Tom. Okay, that's Tom. Don't make but... me think of that. 
How do you remember this boy? Don't anyway, know. little boys collect. Okay. The baby faces collect. What does he stand for? Uh, Truth, justice, and the American way? He is resolute and a builder, which is very funny because a builder is the one who broke the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Catch us next week, only doing chapters 69 and 70. Mm-hmm. For shirtsies. For shirtsies. All right. Uh, I got to get back to doing my dishes. I got to get back to folding my laundry. All right. I believe in you. Believe in you. Ready? Ready? Break. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, going through Words of Radiance. So we record ahead of our release. So Emily has finally, officially, officially finished book two. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We're actually going to start recording Oathbringer in a few weeks, and I can't wait. So I hope you guys are enjoying the, the last chunk of episodes through this back third of the book because we had so much fun recording them. If you want to hear more of us talking next week on Thursday, May 18th, 18th, that can't be how it's pronounced. Well, all right, 18th, <laughs> we're going to be releasing the next episode of Roswell 1999. We have just finished season two. Oh my gosh, so we felt like an interim episode to do, and then it's deep into season three, so exciting. And then the week after that, Thursday, May the 25th, we will be back for another classic episode of Words of Radiance. Because Emily and I are both geniuses, um, I know we forgot to pick a song for last week's episode, so you heard us talk about it this episode that we do You've Got a Friend in Me, but we also picked off podcast Jailhouse Rock. So both of those are going to be added to the playlist. A special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, in our intro and outro. And I think that's all the business we've got for this week. Oh, except for me to tell you, you guys probably already know, but tickets to Dragon Steel Con 2023 will be opening up on June 6th. You can get all the info on Brandon's website. The convention itself is going to be the November 20th and 21st, some point around there. Um, but if you sign up now, there will be discount hotel room rates. Get on that. Hopefully, Emily and I will be able to do a repeat recording of words of radiance at dragon seal con nope oathbringer it'll be oathbringer wow okay i love you all have a great day and remember i believe in you